This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It is the five o'clock. Dusk turns into evening hour on this Friday. I'm Arlene Bonin in for John Oakley. We got to, on this Friday, start to sum up a very, very emotional week. Across the land, we all have been, I have been, riveted to the St. Michael story. Every day, it's changed. It had so many elements. Here it was, this shocking story. It began with media reports. And the next thing we know this week, the police lay charges, six charges. And then the conversation began. How could this happen? Has it happened before? And what are they going to do about it? Late yesterday, at St. Michael's College, the principal and the president have resigned. Is this the beginning of the way out? Or is this the beginning of the unraveling? Always on Friday, it's always a good idea, I think, to start to put together the pieces of of things we're going to be talking about on the weekend. And you bet what happened at St. Michael's College and is happening there is going to be on people's minds. My next guest was also riveted to this story, but he had a personal connection. He went to St. Michael's College and he has seen this kind of hazing before. Joining us is John Paul Bedard. And John Paul Bedard is an author and a sponsored elite endurance athlete, an international advocate for the survivors of sexual violence. John, welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for, for having me. And I, I think uh, I concur. At the end of the week, it's always good to take stock of what's happened. And when it comes to this story, I think, uh, you know, there are probably about four things that uh, I'd like to get into. I mean, the first thing being... Uh, I think this story really comes down to the fact that St. Michael's College School really only had one primary purpose. Uh, It was not to be an elite sports school. It was not to produce academic excellence. It was not to produce community excellence. What they had to do was keep the children in their care safe. And they failed at that by the sounds of this. And I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. John, can you tell us your story here? When the rest of, of the whole country, specifically here in Toronto, in Ontario, we we were just appalled at what this story said. It was a video that showed an assault with a broomstick. And it, these are alleged allegations, but there's charges that have been laid. You went to St. Michael's College. How long ago was it? Yeah, I was uh, I was on the football team in uh, 1981 and in 1982. Um, and I in in grade nine, I experienced a, a similar sexual hazing uh, at St. Mike's, and it was something that for years I had just uh, dismissed as you know boys will be boys and, and part of the process of being a member on an elite team like that. And I didn't really I didn't really equate it with the trauma that it's kind of left in me. I mean, prior to going to St. Mike's, uh, I had experienced uh, significant sexual violence uh, on a couple of occasions. And so that's the stuff that I've talked about publicly uh, as an athlete uh, when I've you know, spoken mm-hmm. about mental health issues. But I always just dismissed what happened to me at St. Mike's. And it wasn't until the stories broke last week that I had a bit of a wake-up to what had happened to me there and how it is a significant 
part in people's lives. So you're saying that what happened to you was similar to what these allegations are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was not you know, a broom handle and all that, but there were, it was a sexual hazing, um, and it was violent. And um, I think it's naive thinking that this... I mean, when I when I first heard about the, the, the serious video that came out, I knew immediately that if this had happened to me 35 years ago, mm-hmm. it was happening prior to my being in St. Mike's. It has been happening you know, in the years since I left St. Mike's, and it's going to continue to happen unless we deal with it. Now, did other people know when that happened to you? Did you want to tell people? Did you think that you would be believed? And was it circulating in the school? Um, I think, you know, it wasn't something that was publicized. I think there were a few people on on the sports teams that knew this behavior was going on. Um, in fact, it, the, this part of the story that I find so alarming, I do a lot of work with uh, survivors of sexual mm-hmm. violence, and I'm trauma-informed myself. This idea that this young man at the center of the video, when the, pr- the principal mentions that, you know, part of the reason for his delay in, in mm-hmm. reaching out to the police and to the Children's Aid Society was that this young man hadn't told his parents yet. So here's the thing. Survivors of sexual violence rarely tell anybody what happened. And it is even more unlikely that an adolescent is going to. You're simply not equipped with the emotional intelligence to have that kind of a conversation. And when you're in a heightened environment like St. Mike's, that is a very masculine, macho culture, it is one of the last things you're, you're going to do is, is to go public with that kind of a disclosure. And that's the critical part of this story for me is that that principal and the and the administration there, it's not their job to uh, wait for an adolescent to initiate this process, to go to the police, to contact parents and all that stuff. As soon as the educator becomes aware of the existence of this type of behavior, it is that person's responsibility to bring in the professionals. And the professionals would have done two things. Number one, they would have ensured the integrity Mm -hmm. of the investigation. So we lost three days where things could be deleted and whatnot. Also, they would have brought in trauma-informed people who could have interviewed that young man and, and certainly made sure that going forward, a lot of the trauma damage would be lessened because they would have known how to do it properly. And I know that the principal cared for this young man, and I don't think there was anything nefarious going on in terms of what he was hiding, but he was simply not equipped to deal with what was before him. And that's why there are procedures in place to contact the police immediately. Mm-hmm. And they that's been yeah. and that's been part of the criticism. It sparked so much, uh, so many tributaries of conversation here. And I know one of the things that is out there today is that these all-male environments are just, um, they're just places where uh, abusive, abusive uh, and toxic thinking and actions just grow. Do you think there is a problem with the all boys school or are there specific schools, do you think? No, I don't think it's a problem that's specific or unique to St. Mike's, but I think the culture in that type of a school, that an elite school, an all boys school, a school that focuses on sports excellence above all else, that creates the environment for it. And you, you, you touch upon an important point when you bring up this idea of the old boys network. St. Mike's has a long storied history in our city. And part of the, their culture that they embrace is that 
former alumni often come back to be teachers and faculty members in that school. Mm -hmm. And so when a problem like this arises, there's a huge, a huge uh, uh, internal issue in that the people who are within it can't see the problem because they are within the problem. Mm -hmm. It's like the fish don't recognize the water that they're swimming in. And that's why I think there's this massive disconnect between the general public who is hearing this story and what's going on there and a lot of the former alumni and the administration itself who who have a very different view of what's going yeah, on. Because they've already been life. steeped in that. Um, yeah. Let me ask you, one of the things that I found, and you know, I've, I've interviewed people who were victims of church sexual violence, we're, we're, we're hearing it all. And over the years, one of the things that they say is that their, their plight, even when it was covered in the media, seemed to be confined in that institution. What's the church going to do about it? What is Penn State going to do about it? And here we're looking at it as a, a boy's private school. But lest we forget here, something incredible has happened. Charges have been laid by the police. Do we need to hit the reset button and remind people this behavior is not to be covered and dealt with within an institution? It's a crime. It's absolutely a crime. And uh, just like I was saying to my wife a couple of days ago, just as though when you're driving down the highway and you're speeding and you get pulled over by the police, and you get the ticket, and the whole time you're thinking, what about the eight cars that were in yeah. front of me that were going fast? Eventually, the buck has to stop with someone. And the sad and the really you know, tragic part of this story is that those six young men who have been charged, and those are serious charges, and I would expect that there's going to be repercussions to those charges. The problem is that they are going to have to weigh the burden of this and deal with it. Whereas I don't think it's, it rests entirely with them. I think it goes back to the, the faculty and the, and the administration at St. Mike's to a large degree. It's, and why it's, do it's you think culture? So, so what kind of a culture facilitates? I mean, we're all of us in our minds when you're saying that and you went there are going, well, what was it? Was it the masculinity? If they're responsible, you know, what did they do? And what was the attitude that you think laid the groundwork for this? There's a there's a there's a hell of a lot of pressure on those young men in that in that institution, especially once you're on the sports team. So, first of all, it's an elite school to get into, and so that that creates this this mm -hmm. swagger in itself. But then once you're on one of those sports teams, you you walk around yeah. like you're invincible, and mm -hmm. the whole school has such incredible school spirit and is just geared around supporting and, and building this culture of sports mm -hmm. excellence that in order to, to fail, it's unforgivable. And if, if you're a member of that team, in order to speak out against it, it's, it's really difficult when you're a, uh, an adolescent and all you want to do to, is fit in. And here you are on this team. And not only have you fit into this amazing school, but you are on the elite part of that school by being on a sports team. The last thing an, element, uh, an adolescent wants to do is to toss all that aside. And so it just, it 
just creates a like a hyper pressure cooker. Yeah, feeling that if you say it, that all those things are going to come tumbling down. John Paul Bedard, thank you, thank you for your courage, thank you for sharing the story, and also for really trying to be part of the solution. We appreciate your time, and, and thank you, Arlene, for keeping the conversation going. It's important. John Paul Bedard, he's a sponsored elite endurance athlete. There we go, hearing his story about attending St. Michael's also an author and an international advocate for the survivors of sexual violence. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.